What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. The early morning hours of Thursday, June 30th. The final day of June is upon us. And unfortunately for the Cardinals, it ends up being a 15 and 14 month. I believe I've got that right. Rather than 16 and 13, as they fall to the Miami Marlins on the final game of the month of June, four to three in what you could probably safely classify as a heartbreaker. Welcome into the show as we break down a tough loss for St. Louis. Sandy Alcantara was good as always. He he did his Sandy Alcantara thing that he always tends to do. Over the last 10 starts for Sandy at this point, he's gone at least seven innings in each of them. Dating back to May 11th was when that streak began. And tonight he goes all nine as the Cardinals had an opportunity to take him down to win this game. They scratched and clawed and came up with enough runs to be able to get a lead, scoring in the third, and then another couple runs in the fifth inning after they had gone down to Sandy Alcantara. That's not something that you want to do. Andre Pallante giving up a run in the fourth and the fifth to make it 2-1 Marlins. Cardinals strike back in the bottom of the fifth inning. You saw tonight more good contributions offensively from Edmundo Sosa, which is important to see, especially right now with Nolan Gorman, he's not on the injured list. It may end up coming to that, but with the off day tomorrow, you hope that he ends up being okay. He's got a sore hand, and so he's been out of the lineup for a couple of days. Clearly was not available to pinch hit late in this game either, or you may have seen him in the ninth inning potentially. That does not end up coming to pass because I just don't think he was available. I don't think uh, Ollie wanted to get him into the game tonight. They're hoping that he's able to avoid a stint on the injured list. But because of that, you had Mundo Sosa in the lineup once again, Second day in a row, he had a triple yesterday, contributed, did a nice job in that game on Tuesday. Same thing again on Wednesday. Edmundo Sosa goes two for four. He scores both of the Cardinals' first two runs in this game, both of them on sacrifice flies, which I thought was just kind of a fun little note. Had a triple as well. Nice job, and he also stole a base. So he was kind of doing a little bit of everything offensively and was able to help get that rally, that miniature rally going there in the fifth inning, which put the Cardinals back on top three to two. Andre Pallante was fantastic tonight. He wasn't quite as efficient as Sandy Alcantara, although it was pretty close. 96 pitches for seven innings for Pallante, 117 pitches for nine innings for Sandy Alcantara, who, of course, served as his own closing pitcher, which is uh, kind of the way it is. If you can't trust anybody else to get the job done, you go ahead and get the job done. That is what Sandy was able to do tonight. He only got the chance, though, to come out and pitch that ninth inning because of a rare, inexplicable thing that happens to Ryan Helsley. The Cardinals' lights-out closer was en route to his seventh save of the season, and a detour occurred as Avisayo Garcia parked a seven-iron on Freeze's lawn, Home run, two-run shot to give the Marlins the lead there in the ninth inning. First home run allowed by Ryan Helsley all season. He came into tonight with an ERA of 0.30. Finally, on a national scale, people were starting to sing his praises, although when Jeff Passan tweeted out a list of 13 relievers who have been among the best in baseball this season, he spelled his name wrong, Ryan Helsley. So I, I blame Passan for this one. No, I'm just kidding, but that actually did happen. But yeah, Helsley had been fantastic, and it's just one of those things. One pitch... Ollie said, guy 
guess his fastball, and he was right. Uh, ball got too much of the plate, and he parked it. Made Ryan Helsley pay for a mistake pitch. That's the way it goes sometimes in this game. It just felt like that wasn't the way this was supposed to end, though. Um, he walks the first batter in the ninth inning, Garrett Cooper, on a 3-2 pitch that I saw Brandon Kiley of 101 ESPN. He he tweeted out the video and said, is that a strike? Should that have been a strike? That's basically the the game-changing call at that point. Uh, it was a pretty good pitch on the outside corner. I will say, though, Andrew Kisner did not do Andre Pallante, or pardon me, well, Andre Pallante, but also Ryan Helsley, any favors with the framing of that pitch because it really didn't need to be framed, and he sort of, he was very herky-jerky with it. If you go uh, check that out on on Twitter, there's a few different videos people have posted. It's just, uh, you know, one of those close calls. I And you don't really hear me talk too often about umpire stuff. I will when it's relevant to do so. But usually it's just kind of like, I don't know, it bores the crap out of me. I, I don't know why that is. It's like how many calls are going to happen during a game that you're going to say one bad call is the reason you lost. And that's obviously not the reason the Cardinals lost, but you can go butterfly effect and say, yeah, it definitely led to a scenario where Helsley was facing Avisayo Garcia with a man on base representing the tying run, Garcia representing the go-ahead run, and had it just been a strikeout like it maybe ought to have been, you wouldn't have ever saw that situation. Garcia never would have come to the plate if everything else unfolds the same way because Helsley looked pretty nasty. He had two really sick, disgusting strikeouts of the Marlins after that leadoff walk, and then it felt like, yep, he's about to wrap this thing up, and then suddenly the fly ball to center field is carrying, and it's carrying, and it's still carrying, and and uh-oh, it yeah, it went onto the grass over the wall. That's a home run. <laughs> like, that's literally the way that I experienced it and saw it unfold. I don't know what you guys were thinking watching the uh, television broadcast, whether you thought that was going to stay in the yard or not. I just figured Dylan Carlson would eventually catch it, uh, but he didn't. And that made it 4-3, to three. and then Sandy, of course, is raring to go. He wants to get back out there. His pitch count was like 104 after 8, but he's like, no, I'm good. I'm the I'm the best workhorse the uh, National League has seen in quite some time, so it's fine. I can do it. It I really should not spend too much time tonight talking about the fact that the Cardinals had Sandy Alcantara and traded him away, because if I do, I'm going to work myself into a frenzy. But I did tweet out the uh, 2017 prospect rankings for the St. Louis Cardinals because that was the last year that uh, Palante, I keep saying Palante when I have no reason to. It's like my brain absolutely doesn't work. It's already on birthday mode. My birthday's on Friday. It's on 4th of July weekend mode. I'm excited to uh, to go to the family's farm for the little lake time over the weekend. And so it's like I've already completely checked out. I've got to do a solo radio show again tomorrow. I shouldn't say solo. My producer, producer Chris, will be alongside for me for that one. But I'm going to have to talk at least for two more hours tomorrow, so I've got to get it together. Here I can decide if I really didn't like what I said. You guys will never be any the wiser if I pause it, delete it, and try again. I'm going to leave all that in there, though, because we're just having a little bit of fun here on a uh, Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. The last day of me is a 27-year-old. I'm getting old, folks. And if you're older than that, you're not old. It's just what I have to tell myself because... I am uh, grappling with that uh, existential dread. You know what I mean? But no, as I was saying, if I talk too much about the fact that Alcantara was a Cardinal and not here anymore, I, I'm i going to blow a gasket because, my goodness, has he turned into just an electric arm and a workhorse. Like, he's going 7-plus every single time out there, whether he's good or not. 
Last outing, he gave up five runs, four earned. But he still went seven innings because that's what throwback starting pitchers do. And Sandy Alcantara, by all accounts, is a throwback starting pitcher. And when he was with the Cardinals, it was clear that he was never going to get this opportunity with St. Louis. Like, I don't know why, but I could just think back to those moments and go, yeah, when they traded him for Ozuna, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because the organization was higher on Jack Flaherty, was higher on Dakota Hudson. That is truly the way I believe that they pegged those three players at the time. I just felt like that was, if they were going to trade one guy, it was Sandy. He came up with the Cardinals. He was kind of a reliever, a little erratic, wasn't really in command of himself yet. I don't know what that says about the Cardinals as as an organization and their ability to evaluate talent. Like, clearly they've always been able to draft these guys, and, and he was an international signee, but bring these guys in, develop them to an extent. But then it's like when you get ready to cross that threshold, for whatever reason, some guys that seem like they should be able to do that with St. Louis either haven't gotten the chance to do it often enough. And I know that we are selective with our memory of of the ones that got away rather than recognizing the Juan Yepes's and the Brendan Donovans and like, and those are position players. So maybe it's a little different because right now we're looking at the Cardinals rotation going, Damn, what are they what are they going to do right now with no Jack Flaherty and with Dakota Hudson uh, kind of wavering and, and not giving the, the types of outings consistently that you want to see? Steven Matz injured, Jordan Hicks injured. Jordan Hicks did not have a good night, by the way, on Wednesday. I think he gave up five earned runs in a uh, rehab assignment with Memphis. This was supposed to be the last one. He was going to be activated for Philadelphia over the weekend. I That's got to be in some doubt at this point, but they may just say, ah, screw it, bring him. Anyway, but I don't think you'll be right back into the rotation. Andre Palante in the rotation, that's something that should probably remain the same. But just in terms of Sandy Alcantara, and I promise I'll try to wrap up the diatribe on Sandy here before too long, I tweeted out those 2017 rankings because that was the last season to feature Alcantara with the Cardinals. He was number six in those rankings, which was actually ahead of Flaherty at eight and Dakota Hudson at nine. I don't know that those were like the actual final rankings, though. I could be wrong about that. I seem to remember, certainly within the organization, the way they talked about different guys. You could just tell Flaherty and Hudson were given that long-term consideration. Sandy was not. And for whatever reason, they didn't view him as the guy who could turn into this. You know, a bulldog, an ace, a true number one, top-of-the-line guy. Dakota Hudson, uh, you know, now we now we know more about these guys. Dakota Hudson, I don't think he's ever going to be that top-of-the-line guy. He's not a strikeout guy like Sandy can be. And Jack Flaherty can be that kind of pitcher. They weren't wrong to keep him at the time over Sandy Alcantara necessarily, but injuries have really cratered what Jack Flaherty has been able to do the last couple of years. And so the jury's still kind of out, but you're, you've only got one more year of him, and then he's going to be gone in free agency. And uh, no, he's not re-signing with the Cardinals if uh, – that was your next question. I can answer that one now. No, I do not see that being a strong likelihood given the current climate. Anything can change, I suppose, but it would uh, definitely surprise me. And so, yeah, you look at Sandy is certainly the one that got away, and uh, he's the one that, that got the Cardinals on Wednesday night as the Marlins defeated St. Louis 4-3. to There's just not much you can do, though, when your starter, your rookie starter, Andre Pallante, who wasn't even supposed to be in the rotation, has taken to it so well and did such a nice job tonight. And then you say, well, there's an off day coming up on Thursday, so let's throw Gio and Helsley back-to-back, make sure we get this win. It was a good formula. Gallegos was good. 
scoreless inning with a strikeout. Helsley was pretty good. Uh, he struck out the side ultimately, but some stuff happened in between there where he gave up the walk to lead it off and he gave up the homer to Avisel Garcia, and that was all she wrote. Cardinals didn't get anything done against Alcantara in the bottom of the ninth, although they did threaten. Don Mattingly had to come out and check on Alcantara there with a couple runners on base, and then very, very unfortunately, just as I was giving credit to Edmundo Sosa, uh, I should mention he grounded into the game-ending 4-6-3 double play. So that was rather unfortunate way to go. Even if he had not grounded into the double play, just been able to beat it out to first, Cardinals would have lived to fight another day. That does not end up being the case. They lose this one 4-3, and it could be more Mundo Sosa moving forward. I've talked about how I thought Mundo Sosa may be on the chopping block a little bit with the way Paul DeYoung had been playing at Memphis. Paul DeYoung got hit by a pitch on the hand tonight that looked very painful. Checked him out, gave him some treatment on the field, see if he could stay in. No, he ends up leaving that game. And so if that's a, a broken bone or anything of that nature, who knows how long Paul DeYoung will be out. That could be the saving grace for Edmundo Sosa, although generally Sosa's been playing well, and so I don't want to disparage him too much. But I did think that for a while, even if DeYoung is not your starter at shortstop because you like the Edmund-Gorman rotation, I really think Paul DeYoung deserves an opportunity to get back to St. Louis. And I was surprised that at the beginning of this homestand, John Mozeliak spoke to reporters and basically said that Paul DeYoung has sort of been Wally Pipped, and he's I, he used those terms. Uh, from what I understand, I was not there, but I did see that tweeted about Wally Pipp, of course, uh, known as the man who lost his starting role because of uh, a young guy coming up through the system named Lou Gehrig. He ended up being pretty good. And so with the way that Gorman and Edmund have been performing up the middle, Mosellock basically said there's nowhere for uh, Paul DeYoung to go, which I don't think is, I don't think that's really fair because I do think off the bench he could be a threat, especially if he's fixed his swing and is in a better headspace, mindset, physical position right now. Uh, his numbers haven't been, by the way, out of this world with Memphis, but he started out really bad, and so that's why now the 739 OPS seems like an upgrade. And I think generally I would prefer him to Sosa, although Sosa does add a little bit of something on the base paths that DeYoung does not, and so we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, he he could be out for a while with that injury. It's It's not exactly uh, known yet what his condition is going to be. And so hopefully Paul DeYoung's okay, but I, I honestly would question that. Looked a little bit gnarly seeing the video. Kyle Reese tweeted it out in case you uh, have not gotten the chance to see that and you uh, you want to feel a little bit sad about the state of Paul DeYoung, you can go ahead and do so there. But I want to talk a little bit about Andre Pallante before we get out of here. I've already done so to an extent, but I just want to praise this guy and, and credit him for the way he's been able to roll with the punches, you sometimes have young players that come up and you wonder what type of expectations are fair to place upon them. And when a guy is a rookie and a young player and he doesn't take right away to big league acclimation and he doesn't do really well, you can say, well, he's a, he's a rookie. He'll, he'll figure it out. It takes time, right? It takes time. Sometimes it doesn't take time. And I don't know what the makeup is of certain players. And this is not to say that anybody who has come up and not been able to thrive right away. I don't want to disparage or demean those guys necessarily because there's nobody that I'm thinking of like, oh, yeah, so-and-so came up and he he needed more time, and so we had to start questioning whether he was a quad A player or whatever. I, I'm not trying to specifically draw comparisons to anybody at this moment, but I just want to say on the positive side for Palante, he has absolutely not been that way. He has immediately acclimated to 
any and every role that the Cardinals have asked him to produce in, starting out as a reliever, and then he worked his way into the circle of trust where you trusted him as one of those relievers that could fill in late innings, more leveraged spots, depending on the availability of Helsley and Gallegos and Cabrera, those kinds of guys. And then the Cardinals needed a spot starter with double headers and stuff. He got a chance. They liked what they saw, said, oh, maybe this guy could be an option for us there. Continues to pitch in the rotation, continues to get better. And Marmel said tonight was really the first start. We had this happen with Hicks where they built him up. And then finally it was, this is the first start that how well you pitch will determine how deep you go into the game. In the case of Jordan Hicks, it didn't go very well. And then he ended up on the injured list. In the case of Palante, he showed you exactly what he can do. He can go seven innings. He can get you deep into a ball game and can do so with effectiveness, only two runs allowed, five hits, limited walks, just had one, I believe, that he gave up tonight, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, only two strikeouts, but who cares? That's not the statistic that matters. Guy's got a 2.10 ERA for the season. He continues to just kind of take the role that they give him, and you might expect it to be more of a temporary thing. And then he continues to say, no, I mean, this is what I do. It's not like he's out there making a statement. He's just pitching. He's doing what he does, and he looks really good doing it. I cannot fathom the Cardinals removing him from the rotation at any point with the issues that they've had because he's been nothing but brilliant in the starting rotation since they gave him the chance, and it's the same thing that he was in the bullpen. He's just, like, typically you you think about guys and say, well, with young players, we don't want to throw too much at them too quickly. With this guy, it's like nothing phases him, and he continues to really have a, a good handle on things and looks really good in that rotation. I'm not here to put a number on him and say, oh, he's your number four, he's your number three, he's your number five, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right now, it's just every fifth day, Andre Pallante is giving the Cardinals a legitimate chance to win a baseball game, and that is really all you can ask from a guy who, at the beginning of the season, like a week before the season began, late in spring training, you didn't even know that this guy was going to be on the roster. It was kind of a surprise late addition out of the Cardinals' bullpen because they said, hey, he's been too good not to include him and to bring him with us. And so... That's what they did, and he's continued to prove them right in every step of the the way right now by the way that he's pitching and the way that he's going about his business with the Cardinals. He talked tonight about the fact that scouting reports has been something that's sort of new for him, which I thought was a little bit interesting uh, at the major league level. And it's something that Mad Dog, Mike Maddox, challenged him to do heading into this outing is to really do your own research on, and not like the Aaron Rodgers version of do your own research. Sorry, a little joke there. But to do your own research on what the opposing hitters like, what they are capable of doing, what are their strengths and weaknesses, and being able to remember those things as you're in a game rather than just, he said when he first came up, it was sort of like, I would I would know some of the guys in the other lineups just from growing up and watching baseball and knowing the game, but I didn't want to feel like I was going to be intimidated by any of them just because they have a big name or they're an all-star or they're whatever they've done in their career, and I'm just this rookie and I've not accomplished anything like them yet. He said he didn't want to have that mentality, and so he really just tried to treat everybody like he didn't know who they were. Like, just attack like you don't know any better and see what you're able to come up with. And now, though, he's a little bit more acclimated and recognizes, and Mad Dog helped him to recognize this a little bit more as well, that you've got to really dig in on the scouting reports if you're going to last in this game very long. Whether you're a hitter or a pitcher, as a rookie, you might have some success at the beginning, but then the league is going to adjust back to you, and then you have to prove that you can make that next adjustment. And I think for Polante, that's continuing in the preparation, but Ali praised his preparation tonight, saying that he's a guy that prepares like he's been in the league for several years. Now, maybe that wasn't from a scouting report perspective, or maybe Ali just 
doesn't know the degree to which uh, that's beginning to come along for the rookie, 23-year-old Andre Pallante. Maybe Pallante is just really good at faking it till you make it. He's already got the manager convinced that he's a really good preparer. But I think it's genuine because uh, you talk to this guy, and he really does seem to have a good head on his shoulders. And he's got humility about him as well. He said, that's something that I'm not very good at is diving in and knowing exactly what to do with scouting reports. But it's something that I am working on is what he said tonight, and I want to get better at it. And he also praised Andrew Kisner for being a guy that's actually made a lot of strides in that regard. And we've known that for the last couple of years that Kiz has put in a lot of work sitting behind Yadier Molina trying to get better at those things so where he can command a pitching staff, not the same way that Yadi does, but with, with some real vigor and with some real ability behind it the way that Yadi does. And so that's something that has become a strength for Andrew Kisner. And Palante, unprompted, said, yeah, Kisner's ability to know the scouting report He's got the book on these guys. He knows what he's doing. He's put in the work in that regard. And so that's something that really helps me out on the mound because I can trust that even if I maybe would not independently inherently think here's the way to go about it with this particular hitter, I can recognize in the moment that, oh, this is what Kiz is calling for. And he knows it because he does have that handle on the scouting report that I am learning as a rookie and trying to get better at. So I thought that was really insightful stuff from Andre Pallante tonight. He pitched really well. It's a shame that he was not able to get the win, but there's nothing he could have done. I mean, you go seven innings, 96 pitches. That's a season high for him, career high, obviously, in the big leagues uh, since he's a rookie and uh, hasn't been in the big leagues before this year. And so he did a really nice job. Offense did just enough. Like, when you go against Sandy Alcantara, you just have to sort of call and scrap and do whatever you can. That's kind of what I mentioned to Ollie Marmol, and he wasn't really having that question. He sort of said, well... We had some good swings, and but reality says it's Sandy Alcantara, and I don't know if the, it was just an, a mentality from Ollie that's just like, we know Sandy Alcantara, like he was in our organization. Not to say that they don't think he's as good as he is, but it's like they don't want to put him on this pedestal because they believe that they should be able to hit this guy. But let's be honest, not many people can hit this guy. He's really, really good. He's turned into one of the best pitchers in the game. That's just the reality of it, and so... There's no shame in not being able to to wall up home runs against Sandy Alcantara. You do have to play a little bit of small ball. The Cardinals did two sacrifice flies to score a couple of their runs. Well-timed extra base hits to be able to, to make things happen and get that third run. Ultimately, three wasn't enough. You thought it would be with a really good formula of Palante for seven, allowing only two, Gio and Helsley. And it's just one of those things. Like, we're not panicking about Ryan Helsley. We're not going to do that. Yes, he should still be an all-star. It's the first home run he gave up all year. His ERA is still 0.88. It's still among one of the best marks in the league. And so there's nothing to worry about when it comes to Ryan Helsley at this point. Uh, he'll get a day off, and then I hope to see him in the closer role sometime over the weekend when they take on the Philadelphia Phillies in Philly. It's really nice to be in Philadelphia, the uh, sort of the birthplace of the nation in a lot of ways, uh, on 4th of July weekend. Although, the fourth is actually on Monday and they go to Atlanta for that game on Monday, which is so strange. It's just the way the holiday falls this year. Typically you'd think that they'd maybe be able to extend that series. It becomes a four gamer, whatever, not the way it works this time around. And uh, it's a night game on the fourth too. I don't like that at all. It should be day baseball on July 4th. I will, I will stand by that one until I die, but Hey, it is what it is. Cardinals will be uh, on a little bit of a road trip here as they take on the Phillies. They take on the Braves. A little swing through the AL East, and they return back home Friday, July 8th, to take on the Phillies again. So you'll see a lot of Philadelphia over the next week, week and a half, 
as the Cardinals uh, will will get their get their fill of no pun intended, the Phillies. They will play their game on July first, also known as Bobby Bonilla Day, also known as Brendan Schaefer's birthday, also known as Michael Walker's birthday. I could go through. I know a lot of the major league players that have uh, birthdays. I share a birthday with Michael Waka. My wife shares a birthday with Paul Goldschmidt. So that's kind of fun. But uh, Miles Michaelis will get the ball on Friday. And Matthew Libertor already been named the starter for Saturday. They've obviously going to have to have a roster move to get him going. And Friday, the Cardinals will be taking on a left-handed pitcher, I believe it is, that is in the rotation right now in lieu of Zach Eflin, who I guess went on the injured list. Bailey Falter is the man's name. He's only made three starts on the season, seven appearances in total, ERA of four and a half. So Miles Michaelis versus lefty Bailey Falter, that sounds like a win to me, one the Cardinals are definitely going to want to have because we talked about this little homestand with the Cubs and the Marlins being a, a chance to take advantage, really, in the standings, and the Cardinals very much did not do that. They go three and three over the six I said at a minimum he had to go four and two, and I really thought five and one would be within striking distance. The Brewers suddenly got hot. I don't know when they decided to do that, but they did. They whipped up on the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know if they play them again tomorrow, but so far they've beaten them because they've won four in a row. And Milwaukee now stands a game and a half clear of the Cardinals in the NL Central. That's not what you want to see, but I think the Cardinals can tangle with the Phillies and, and do a decent job coming up over the weekend. As, like I said, it's going to be Michaelis. That's a good pitching matchup, an advantage for the Cardinals. On Friday, we'll see if they win on your boy's birthday. And uh, Saturday is going to be Matthew Libertor. We'll see what ends up happening there. By the way, the times for this is so weird. 5.05 Central on Friday. I have no idea why they're doing that. It is bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen that. 3.05 on Saturday and then a more regular 6.08 on Sunday, although that's not regular for a Sunday. I guess they're Sunday night baseball. Whatever. Wayne Wright's going to pitch on the national stage. On Sunday against TBD, the uh, Phillies have not announced their pitcher yet. It'll be Kyle Gibson on Saturday for Philadelphia. Should be a series of the Cardinals, I think, stack up relatively well. Going to be a big test for Libby, see what he's able to do on Saturday. But this is probably the final B-Shape Daily that you'll hear before the, honestly, the conclusion of that series because I am, like I said, for the birthday, heading uh, to rural Missouri. Not bringing my uh, podcasting equipment for that, and I probably won't do a show tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday, just because there's no game, so there won't be a whole lot of new information. But if if pressed, if you've got a show that I absolutely, a topic I need to cover on a Thursday night podcast, DM me at bshafer12 on Twitter. If it's compelling enough, I will consider hopping on the mic for one last ride before the long weekend. And then Monday is the holiday Everybody enjoy your 4th of July holiday. I will probably be back Monday night, depending on the alcohol consumption. I will really I will really try uh, Monday night. It'll probably be Tuesday, honestly. But if I do a podcast Tuesday morning, I'll get that up, recapping the weekend, recapping Monday's game against the Atlanta Braves. And then we'll be right back at it for next week. I appreciate you guys who have been listening. I am able to see those numbers, and the numbers are, are going back up. I had a period where... Everything wasn't going on Apple Podcasts for whatever reason, and that was difficult. Uh, there was one additional rating on Apple Podcasts, so we're up to 27 now. I appreciate you guys for hopping in if you've done that. And for my birthday, what better present to get me than uh, something that's free, just giving me a rating on uh, B-Shape Daily on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen. Spotify, if that's a thing, too, but I don't really know if it is. 
But uh, I've droned on for too long. I appreciate you guys very much. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Be safe. Be happy. Have a good time. Eat some good food. See some fireworks. This is literally my favorite weekend of the year. And honestly, it's one where I don't really go to the ballpark much during this weekend, even when they are at home, just because I like hanging out with family and stuff like that. And we usually go somewhere. And so I'm glad they're on the road this year because that means I'm not being lazy by skipping out on any baseball games. I appreciate you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Shaved Daily. Peace.